Well, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't know he was singing. <laughs> no, it's uh, so good to have Seme and his family here, isn't it? Yeah. They're gifts of God to us. Little, we'll call them grace nuggets. They're our grace nuggets. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so good to be here. Uh, thank you, Donna, for helping with the potluck. I mean, I think I'm saying thank you. We haven't eaten any of the food yet. <laughs> but we're, <laughs> it's all candy and <laughs> cake. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for helping with that. And uh, hey, I mean, just every one of you guys, you are so precious. Uh, I mean, obviously to the Lord. I remember in China, we were sitting in our living room and we had a missionary, a fellow missionary sitting in the living room with us. And I remember him saying one of the most amazing things is that not that God loves us. I mean, it's amazing that God loves us, right? But it's almost like he has to love us, right? So he says the amazing thing about God is not only that he loves us, but he likes us. <laughs> and I say the same thing to you guys. You know, we, we love you. Um, and, you know, but in one way in the Bible it says I have to love you. <laughs> but it's something bigger than that. Uh, we also, we, we like you. you know, we love you and we, we like you. And we're excited to see what God is doing here. Amen. So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. This is going to be short so that way we can have time to roll the tables out. And fill our mountains full of our plates full of mountainous food, and have some fellowship uh, in our ministry. A big part of what we do is, um, you know, we call it body life—just being together, uh, encouraging each other, and having good, godly friends is so important, isn't it? Because uh, maybe in your workplace you don't have people you can fellowship with, right? Like at my workplace, there's nobody. I can talk about the Bible, but nobody is going to be talking back to me with the Bible. They're probably going to be yelling at me, <laughs> you know. Uh, and we, you know, so it's great to be a part of the body where we are meant to be, right? We are meant to be here, so it's great. And we believe in body life, so you know, the food is one way for us to be around and be with each other and encourage each other. And you know what? There's somebody here today that you don't know well. But maybe at the end of you know, your plate of food, you're going to get to know them. And they're going to add something to your life. And you're like, wow, this, this person's actually pretty cool, you know? They're pretty cool. So hey, let's open our Bibles. Luke chapter 1. Uh, I really want to look at today the authority of Christ and how Christ reigns in our life. Um, Because we look at everything that's happening in this world and we can ask the question, where is God, right? Actually, Malachi says it in the last chapter. He says, you know, he basically, Jesus says, God says to them, he says, you guys, like, burden me with your questions. And one of the questions he says is, where is God? Where is righteousness? You know, and as believers, um, we can get caught up in that, can't we? We can get caught up in the negativity, there's a lot of stuff on that, on that TV. There's a lot of stuff on my cell phone. There's a lot of negativity. And I can get caught up in that and I can begin to say things like, where is God? Or I'm waiting for God to come, which is a good thing to wait for, right? We're told to be ready. But I want to talk about this a little bit differently today where maybe that is the wrong attitude. Because where there are believers 
who submits to the authority of Christ, that is where we see the sovereign reign of Christ. You know, Boyette said it on Thursday nights. He said, here is God, God. He has all authority. But if nobody submits to him, then he can't exercise his authority. And he said it like this. You imagine you have a child and you tell them to clean your bedroom or something and they don't listen to you. Who has the authority? The, the parent has the authority. But the child is not listening to you. So what good is the authority? It doesn't do any good, right? You know, so in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 33, and this is Jesus, uh, Mary being spoken to by, it's by an angel. It says, And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. And he shall be great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And listen to this, verse 33. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just want to bless these words as we open our Bible. We ask that we open it and the Spirit of God will speak to us. And you will breathe life into your word, Lord. Minister to our needs. And we just ask for you to be here. If you're not here, Lord, we don't want to be here. So we just ask for you to minister through these words today. Let us hear what we need to hear. Touch somebody's heart. Maybe somebody today is in deep need in their soul. Lord, and you are here to touch them today. Think of pain, suffering, illness, Lord, that you are here to touch us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in verse 33, I want to look at these two words. The first word is reign, and the second word is kingdom. And the word to reign means to possess and to exercise authority. So here is Mary, a 16-year-old woman who uh, is engaged but not married, and being told by an angel that she is going to give birth to the Son of God. <laughs> That's a big uh, pill to swallow, right? You know, uh, we have been told some things in our lifetime, and they have been difficult for us to understand and for us to hear. And we had to digest that information. Could you imagine this woman here, 16 years old, married, not, not yet married, and being told she's going to be the mother of of the Son of God. And then to hear this word, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. What was going through Mary's mind? When she heard this word reign, she understood what it meant to reign because she was living in a country where there was a kingdom that was reigning. See, we live in a country today where we don't have like an authoritarian. There's not somebody, despite what some people might say, okay, you know. <laughs> You know, America is a democracy. We have their people. We vote for them, and, they, you know, and this whole thing happens. But he was, they were living in a country where they were being oppressed by another government. And that government was led by a king. And what did he do? He reigned. Where did he reign? He reigned in his kingdom. And Caesar and these people who were in charge did not care that they were in Israel. Because that was still a part of his kingdom. 
He didn't care about their culture. He didn't care about their gods. He cared about his reign, and he cared about exercising his authority in his kingdom. And here is Mary hearing this word that you're going to give birth to somebody, and you're going to name him Jesus. And what is he going to do? He's going to have authority, and he's going to exercise his authority. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, we look in this world today, and we say, you know, this is a great struggle we have, right? To have authority and to exercise authority. And it seems like everybody is trying to get a little bit more authority and to lord, you know, lord that over people. This is my authority, and now you have to listen to me. Why? Well, because I'm in charge. People don't know what it means to have authority, actually. But when we look at the life of Jesus, this is very important, because when we look at the life of Jesus, we see what it means to reign. In John chapter 1, verse 46, what did Nathanael say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So here is Mary being told this promise, and 33 years later, Jesus is a, an adult now, and he is doing all these things, and Nathanael, one of his soon-to-be disciples, says this, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, we could say it this way. Can anybody reign that comes from Nazareth? Can anybody have, possess authority that comes from Nazareth? Can anybody exercise authority that comes from Nazareth? Can anybody exercise or have authority or have a kingdom that comes from Nazareth? And Nathaniel was saying this in a mocking voice. In Mark chapter 11, verse 28... The religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know what they did? They questioned Jesus' authority. Not only in that passage, but he questioned it over and over and over again. Why? Because he was claiming to be God and he was doing these miracles and doing things that they couldn't understand. They, he was forgiving sins. And they were questioning Jesus' authority. In John chapter 18, verse 33, Jesus is before Pilate. And what does Pilate ask? He says, are you Jesus, king of the Jews? You look through all of Jesus' life, and you could ask this question, do you reign, Lord? Jesus, do you reign? Do you have authority, and are you exercising your authority? And from a natural perspective, the answer is no. He did not have authority. He did not reign. And he did not have a kingdom. I mean, you think about this idea of kingdom. Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it says that he had no place to even lay his head. A disciple says, you know, hey, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I have no place to lay my head. So even if he had authority, he has no kingdom because he has no place to lay his head. He, conf he confesses it. The disciples fought for a future role in Jesus' kingdom. The disciples were waiting for the kingdom to come. Mark chapter 10, verse 37. You know, can I sit on your right hand? 
Meaning they recognize Jesus' authority and they're awaiting for him to bring the kingdom in the Roman Empire and destroy the Roman Empire. That some scholars believe actually that um, Judas was one of these kind of zealots who believed Jesus was the Messiah, but he defined the Messiah the wrong way. He defined the Messiah as being the liberator from the Roman Empire, not the liberator of their own sin. So some say that he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver to provoke Jesus to bring the kingdom in now. That is why he was, you know, he did what he did and he was sorrowful after. Because he realized he was wrong. And then again, if you look at John chapter 18, verse 36, he says, Jesus answered and says, my kingdom is not of this world. Over and over again, you follow the life of Jesus, and we understand theologically that he is the king, that he reigns, and that he has a kingdom. But we read in the New Testament, we read in the Gospels, that in a natural perspective, he had no authority. He had no kingdom. He had no place. Right? So we ask ourselves, does Christ have a kingdom and does Christ have authority? Or can we ask it another way, is Christ king? Is Christ king? For us to understand this, I think we first have to open our Bibles and understand what the Bible says about who Christ is. And then we can understand who Christ is in this world. Let's open our Bibles to... Psalm chapter uh, 93. This is an amazing psalms. And we're going to read it. This is the first two verses. It says, the Lord reigns. <laughs> Amen. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. See, for us to understand what the psalmist is saying in these two verses, we also have to understand what is being said before. Because one scholar says it this way, says, It would appear as if the psalmist had been meditating on the dark things which occurred in the world, reading previous psalms. The mysteries which abound, the things which seem in, incorrectable, with the idea that there is just a government over the world, and suddenly the ideas occur as a flash of lightning in a storm that Yahweh reigns over all. What the scholar is saying here that he is meditating on all the negativity. He is thinking about all the evil things that are going on in this world. Then it's almost like a flash of lightning comes in and hits him. And it says that God, that Yahweh, and we could say in the New Testament, we read in Romans and we read in Revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And does he reign? Yes. Yes, he reigns. He reigns over all. Despite our experience, and this is the thing is, we have to be so careful in our life, is are we living our life based on experiences? Because the way I feel from day to day is going to change. I mean, it could change by the amount of sleep that I have. 
It could change about by the how I how I'm eating. Did I have my coffee? Am I hangry? <laughs> I mean, it could change by you know my marriage. It can change by my children. It can change. There are so many things that influence my emotions. So if I am living in my emotions and being a Christian, what's going to happen in my walk with God? Oh, the Lord reigns. Oh, yeah, God's not even here. He's not even real. Oh, the Lord, you know, in the next moment, the Lord reigns. And then you're like, oh, no, God's not real again. If he was real, why would this happen in my life? If he was real and he was going to move, then why is this happening in my life? And you could go down the excuses and say, if God is real, then I would be blessed. If God was real, then this would happen. If God was real, and I'm here to say that despite our experience, the psalmist is saying, the Lord still reigns. It doesn't matter what is happening outside these doors. It doesn't matter how many pride flags are out there. It doesn't matter who is president. It doesn't matter what's happening in Afghanistan. It doesn't matter if you wear a mask or have the vaccine. It does not matter. What matters is that Christ is still on his throne. And he cannot be moved from that throne. And the end of the day, what this matters in my life is, is Christ on the throne of my heart? Because if he's not, do you know what's going to matter? Who the president is. What's happening in Afghanistan. Who's wearing a mask. Who's not wearing a mask. All these things are going to matter. And you know what? And I don't want to like belittle any of these things because they might matter. <laughs> like Afghan, what happened in Afghanistan, we are praying for our, I mean I heard yesterday, 15,000 American citizens that are trapped in Kabul. 15,000. Does that move me? Yes, it moves me. But do you know what? There is something greater. There is something greater. And despite what is happening in our world today, there is a God who is on his throne. There is a God who is on the throne. And I'll tell you today that he possesses the authority. And despite the evidence, he is exercising his authority. And if you want to see Christ exercise his authority, come into the body of Christ. Come into the body of Christ because what you're going to see is this person's life and the authority of Christ in his life. What you're going to see is this person's life and you're going to see the authority of God in this person's life. And we could go over and over and over again and we can see that in the body of Christ, because the Holy Spirit is sealed in our hearts, he cannot be removed. He is sealed in our hearts, so he has authority in our life. Let's turn to this verse, Romans chapter 5. We were talking about this on the ride home yesterday. Romans chapter 5 is a great... I mean, Stephen, do you love Romans? I love, it. love Romans, yeah. It's, bread, it's his bread and butter. Yeah, Ephesians is my book, but you know. It's okay. We can have different books. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, By, For if one man offense, death reigns by one. Death can reign... Offense has reigned because of one person. Much more, they which receive, what do they receive? What does it say? Grace. grace. An abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You know what? This is amazing. How do you reign as a Christian? <laughs> Disobedience brings life. So you would think... The law of opposites, right? You know, the law of opposites would say that, therefore, the law, uh, I would say, 
if I am obedient, then life will reign in me. But that's not what it says in there, is it? It doesn't say that if you are an obedient Christian and you read your Bible three hours a day and you do this for God and you do that for God, that you are going to be a victorious Christian, that Christ is going to reign in your life. That's not what it says. It says that there it is abundance of grace. Did you see did you, you, you see that? Is it up there? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Abundance of grace in my life. There is an abundance of grace in my life. And because of the abundance of grace, what happens in me? Christ is reigning. Christ is reigning in my life because of an abundance of grace. Now listen to this. Jesus said, come unto me all you that are heavy laden and that you are burdened. Right? For I will give you rest. What is that saying? If I come into God's kingdom and I come under his authority, what am I going to receive? Rest. I'm receiving rest. There is an abundance of grace. Some people are like, well, what does it mean to have Christ reign in my life? Well, that means that Christ has got to be on your heart, and then because he's on your heart, you begin to deny the flesh. It says it later on in Romans that, you know, that you don't let uh, sin reign in your life. That is true. We don't let sin reign in our life. But there's something bigger and beyond that because the fact is, is that you are a sinner. I am a sinner. And what do I need? I need an abundance of grace in my life so that way I can continue to reign with Christ. So that way I can continue to experience Christ reigning in my life. See, some of us have never experienced the power of Christ. Some of us have never experienced the authority of Christ because we have never allowed the grace of God to come into our life. We are so busy working. Oh God, you know, I'm, I'm so guilty. <laughs> yep, you are. <laughs> oh God, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm going to bring a few extra cookies, Ryan. Well, Ryan's not in here. Ryan bought three kinds of cookies today, okay? So those of you that don't know Ryan and his cookies, you're going to know his cookies today. Ryan, Ryan said to me, he said, I'm so guilty. I sinned last night. So I'm bringing three batches of cookies today. And God is going to forgive me because what I am going to do. I mean, nowhere. No, he didn't do that. I'm joking. I'm, I'm picking on him because he's not here. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. It's like some people never experience the authority of God in their life because they're so guilty. They're trying to repay God for their sin. But do you know what? You're never going to repay God enough for your sin to enter into the glory, any gates of glory. You never can. It has to be through an abundance of grace. And we see that over and over and over again in the word of God, that as we receive grace from God, we see his authority. We see his authority. So if I could say one thing today, number one, oh, that means two things. If I say number one, there has to be number two. And if, I'm, if I, there's any Baptist in me at all, there has to be a three. <laughs> you know, but, you know, think about it this way. Christ is reigning. Do not be distracted what is going on out there. Don't be distracted, but let that energize you to run to the body of Christ. And here's another thing. As we grow together, don't be distracted what happens in here. It's easy to say, hey, I wish you would do this. If you would do this, then this church would be better, you know. Or if you would do this, then the church would be better. Or if you would do this, then the church... 
It, it's easy to have that kind of attitude in the church. But do you know what? Don't think that way. Because you know what unity is? Unity is a group of people sitting in a circle and looking at the cross. Looking at the cross. That's what unity is. We are looking at the cross. We are staring at what God is doing. Okay? It is easy to look past the cross and see the other person, isn't it? And be like, oh, that person's looking at me. Like in a circle, you can see that, right? Like, oh, what are they looking at? Are they looking at me or the person next to me? You know, we get confused. How are they judging me? What are, why are they looking at me that way? What, why do they raise their eyebrow? You know, we can think that way. But do you know what? That does not allow the abundance of grace to reign in our life. That brings in legalism. That brings in, you know, comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. That brings in, you know, a cult. That brings in all kinds of different things. It doesn't leave any room for the grace of God. And if the grace of God isn't here... The authority of God is not here. Because that is the greatest, that is the greatest expression of God's authority. It's when Jesus would say to a sinner, pick up your bed and walk, for your sins are forgiven. Or when he would say, pick the woman up and say, who is here who condemns you? Neither do I condemn you anymore. That is the greatest expression of God's authority, is the grace of God. And let God give you grace today. Amen. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this evening, afternoon, morning, what's that, whatever time. I'm not used to a 3.30 service yet. <laughs> whatever time it is today, Lord, we ask that we will be blessed, not in our wallets, not in our house, but in our hearts. That the grace of God, we'll be blessed by the grace of God and its authority in my life. We ask that we'll never lose sight of that, Lord. That we'll never get so legalistic in our thinking where we try to work so hard to earn our salvation or earn our seat in this church. That when we each make mistakes, that we can learn to be gracious towards each other, Lord, because you have been gracious to us. Let this be a body that loves one another, despite differences. Knit us together. Bind us together, how that old song goes. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.